This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Snippet, the short podcast platform. This is Check Your Privilege, the podcast. Let's welcome anti-racism guide, mental health activist, and founder of the Check Your Privilege movement, your host, Maisha T. Hill. Hi, friends. Welcome to Check Your Privilege, the podcast. I'm your guide on this journey, Maisha T. Hill. And as always, I'm grateful to be in community with you. Today's podcast, I'm going to be hanging out with my friend, Jennifer Kenny, and we're digging deep on a very important issue around whiteness and anti-racism education. Essentially, this episode is called The Cause and the Cure. But first, let me just introduce you all to my friend, Jen. Jen Kinney is a writer, a peacemaker, disruptor, student of abolition, and a podcast host of Story Power Podcast. Jen, welcome to Check Your Privilege. I'm really excited to be here. If you could see my face right now, I'm like making this face and I'm like, I'm telling Jen to welcome. And she's been a part of the movement since it started, essentially. Yes. Um, yes. We were like Instagram BFFs in the DMs. <laughs> right. Back in the day when Check Your Privilege had 3,000 followers. I think it was 150 because you remember we actually was used to it? do the countdowns on our accounts together. Like 300 followers. Yay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, gosh, guys, if only you knew that the excitement of growing slow, right? Slow and steady. Amen to that. I read a little bit about you, Jen, but could you just tell the audience before you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because we're going to do a round of who are you? If you could describe how you got into your work, how did you get into, you know, being a student of abolition? Oh, that is a really good question. And, and nobody's ever asked me that question. Um, I would say that I've always had a desire and a passion for justice. And so I spent close to 15 years as an anti-trafficking activist back in high school. And just to give people context, I'm 45 now. But back in high school, I was doing work for like a pan-African group to help free Mumia Abu-Jamal and Leonard Peltier. And, you know, just always working on shining a light on injustice. So I've always been really passionate about it. And I read Miriam Kaba's book, We Do This Till We Free Us, uh, last year with a group of fellow abolitionists and friends. And I had been learning about abolition and hearing about it for about five years. And when I read that book, it captured me in a way that was just, it was a spiritual and profound moment for me. So I really deeply believe in the principles of abolition, the vision of abolition, the hope of abolition, and that's kind of how I came into it in a nutshell. Oh my gosh, that that's so amazing. And abolition is not one conversation that we've had on the podcast. So yeah, this is probably going to be a couple series with you, Jen, because it yeah. would be great to have someone who's a student of abolition to kind of share with our audience what 
the connection between, you know, checking our privilege and our collusion with the systems, mm-hmm. but then also the the core work of abolition. Before we get into it today, I do want to ask you for a round of who are you? Does that work for you? It does. This is so fun because this is one of my favorite things that you do with all of your guests. And we'll see how my brain works today. <laughs> it's okay. So you guys know one word, describe yourself in one word, seven, seven different words, actually. So Jen, who are you? Mother. Who are you? Daughter. Who are you? Peacemaker. Who are you? Truth seeker. Who are you? Storyteller. Who are you? Abolitionist. Who are you? Lover. Ooh, those are good. Naming yourself for yourself. I love that. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. So one of the the points of this conversation and the topic around the cause and the cure is there is a trend, and we've noticed it with authors, right? In particular, a very popular book called, you know, My Fragility. We'll just name it for what it is. I call it the woke Bible for most folks who begin their journey. And it is one of the most best-selling books that was written by a white person to help other white folks break their addiction to privilege (laughs) in in many words, right? And yet in this work, we still aren't centering black and brown and Southeast Asian and Asian American uh, Pacific Islander or marginalized persons of color as leaders in the space. Whiteness is seeking whiteness, right? To educate them. And part of divesting from whiteness is having the ability, right, to separate yourself from sitting under the comfort of white educators or consultants or authors or, you know, folks who don't necessarily have that lived experience. Right, Jen? So this episode is not the typical episode. It's really to reinforce beliefs around who should and or like should not be leading anti-racist conversations, not conversations, but monetizing platforms as an yeah. anti-racist educator. So Jen, could you just give us a background on what, what came up and how, you know, we kind of came up with this idea of this conversation? Yeah. So just to be really specific, about a year ago, I came across an account and it was led by, I believe, a cishet white man. And he's really got a ton of followers. And he was on Instagram, but first he was on TikTok. And on TikTok, he has about a million followers. And on Instagram, he has about 166,000. And watching the way that he was operating within his space and the way that he was really centering himself as an expert, centering whiteness, utilizing tools of whiteness and white supremacy, I was just like, whoa, who is this guy? What is he doing? What is he about? And he's such a massive account that I really felt like, okay, I'm seeing this. I don't want to name the specific account at that time. And and I just want to say like, okay, I'm seeing these things. What can I learn about it? How am I behaving in this way? How might I be operating on my accounts in this same way? And how can I encourage conversation for other white people to be able to name the problematic ways we show up as white people, but also to take a step back and and stop behaving in that way. So that's kind of like the back back story. And then very recently, I actually commented on one of his posts. And that is where the conversation started. 
So I don't know how far you want me to get into all of those details or whatever, but I'll just kind of set that up. Yeah, 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 perfect setups. Like this individual is someone, huge platform, white, cishet, male person, presenting person, who is positioning himself as an expert in the space, but still upholding imperialist, capitalist, white supremacist, ableist patriarchy, essentially. Oh, yes. Whoa. Yeah. So, Jen, why don't you tell us, like, what was that first interaction with this individual in the comments? Yeah, well, you know, I noticed because somebody sent me, a couple people actually sent me a screenshot of, like, hey, take a look at this. He's doing a TED Talk now. And I had said, like, months ago, I said, just watch. You're going to see it develop into a book deal, into a TED did Talk, say that. into yep. a platform where he starts monetizing, into all of these things. You know, like the intention is good in the beginning, but if we're not naming like I do not believe in the monetization of these things and I am not positioning myself in this way, I think the inevitable course of any white person setting themselves up on a platform is to go the capitalist route, right? It's to commodify, it's to monetize, it's to do all of these things. So I just went on and I was like, hey, uh, shouldn't a black person be doing a talk, a TED talk specifically, on how white people can become anti-racist? Because I think that was like his general talk concept. And I didn't expect any response because, again, he's a massive account. I'm a teeny mm -hmm. tiny one intentionally. And he did get back to me and he was like, hey, great question, but you've got this all wrong. Black people are not the ones to talk to white people about whiteness. And I was like, what? You're actually saying wow. this? So he goes on to actually say that because black people don't live in white households and go to white churches and do all of these things that they're actually not positioned to be able to speak to whiteness. And then he tried telling me that what I was saying was a function of whiteness, you know, and I said, we need to be centering and uplifting the voices of black educators and yeah. activists. And he actually accused me. He said that is lazy speak, basically. Like saying that we need to center black voices is white people's way of not getting involved. And I was like, dang, this guy, he's not just like problematic. He's taken the principles and tenets of what I believe to be true within anti-racism. And he's turned them completely around to be the reason white people are the most qualified to speak to whiteness. And I was like, dude, I tried telling him like, the only reason you and I can name the things we can name and speak about the things we can speak about is because we have learned from black educators and activists. And he was mm -hmm. like, well, no, actually, I haven't. And it was funny because I realized as he was continuing to talk that maybe he was right. He really hasn't learned. Right. right? And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. It's really interesting, right, because... Gosh, it's mind-blowing, right? We live in a world that you can't teach this because you're not this or you're not qualified, right? Even even those words, Black people are not qualified because of, is a, a really loaded statement, and it's really a white supremacist statement to tell a group of people that they aren't qualified, right? Because it could then make a person who has a BIPOC identity, a Black person specifically, question, like, 
what's their role in this work then? If I if I can't teach, if I'm not qualified for it, then what? Do I need to get a degree? Do I need to be the one getting killed by police? Like, right. that, that's taking it over the top, right, Jen? But sure, it's like, where do we go with that? And as I was thinking about this episode, I'm like, man, it's it's right when we says whiteness cannot see outside of itself. Like, and it's and so true. How can you be the cause and yet the cure or the problem and the solution? And we're speaking in terms of, you know, whiteness and white people. If, if you come from being the root of the, the problem, right, then how do you all of a sudden become the solution and then monetize that and downplay black people or, or brown folks or Latin folks or indigenous? Do you know what I mean, Jen? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a violent act, right? And I think it's that functioning within the capitalist patriarchal you know, system where it's like you build an account that commodifies black pain and trauma. You build an account and enjoy. And now that I've spent some time on TikTok and had some viral videos and experienced some pretty wild growth, the thing Mm -hmm. that I see is the way that the algorithm is geared toward whiteness. And so I, as a content creator with like 17,000 followers, I don't feel good about the amount of followers that I have right now because I understand that I'm part of a, a system where the algorithm favors me, right? And so I have this dilemma that I'm constantly wrestling with. But you've got somebody who's got a million followers creating yeah. merchandise. Literally the day after the Super Bowl party, he put a T-shirt out that has a picture of a Klan's person, full hood and robe. And it says, show me on the doll where the halftime show hurt you. And I'm like, you are literally taking a violent image and you are making a mockery of it. You are monetizing this and you were on it in a day, like under 24 hours, hot off the presses. Now, I did notice that 25% of the proceeds would go to a family that he was, you know, like raising funds for, but that's not acceptable in my book, right? Like the commodification of and the utilization of this imagery. It's like, so are you gonna put a Confederate flag on something with a joke (sighs) on the side and make money off of that, right? I want to pause here for a second because I'm sure people are listening and are like, wait, but I'm white. What do you mean? I can't, I can't be a voice. I can't support. I just want to be clear and say this is not Jen Kenny or myself saying that there's no role for you in the movement. What we are saying is that monetizing your role in the movement is violent and dangerous because it takes away from the opportunity of those of us, black, brown, indigenous all of us with marginalized and double marginalized identities, it takes away from our knowledge and our experience and our ability, right, to essentially make a livable wage in the consulting and the coaching and the teaching and the monetizing that we do. And to Jen's point, the algorithm does not help that. So don't walk away from here thinking that we're telling you, oh, I can't do anything because I don't have a role. No, we're telling you just not to monetize your role. Exactly. Exactly. And the interesting thing to me is every time I post about why white people should not monetize anti-racism, I get a response. Well, white people need to be the ones to speak or white people have to speak to this. And I'm like, why do we keep conflating that? I'm saying do not monetize with you can't speak. 
I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying don't go build platforms and build a brand and take center stage at a TEDx talk or, or write a book or do these different things. When somebody comes to you and says, hey, I love your message and I want you to come and do a TEDx talk, my first question would be, all right, who's there? And if it's not a ton of black educators and activists, I'm not even considering it. I'm going to say, okay, I've got some great people I would love to put you in touch with. And then if I were to speak, at a TEDx thing, I might speak about something totally different, or I would have a partner with me, you know, talking, somebody who's a black educator, like, okay, let's have this in a conversation format, which I set up a lot of times. But yeah, this isn't about, you can't talk, it's about, are you monetizing? Are you using tools of white supremacy to break down white supremacy? Because that doesn't work. That's so interesting. Are you monetizing? Are you using tools of white supremacy? Ooh. Because monetization is still another form of capitalism, right? Totally. Wow. That's a deep question. And I think that's a, a really good question for all of you all who are listening to this is, you know, why are you in this work? Are you in this work to gain something or are you in this work to to really be a catalyst for change, right? not make money off of it, right? Because how many people are still showing up to the work, first of all? <laughs> and right. second of all, you have to get past the what's in it for me. And I think what makes people move in capitalistic ways is the money and the greed. I can see why people would get speaking and monetizing confused because they've seen, right, this last generation have access to a technology that their voice has gotten them paychecks and paid and blue checks and has given them so much value in the capitalistic world. I actually can see how someone would be like, you're telling me I can't speak because people tie that to, right, an ability to make money because one of the most hottest jobs right now is influencer. It reminds me, do you remember when they were going to release that show? The um, It was like the reality show on who's the best yeah. like, justice person. And everybody was outraged about this. And I'm like, well, you've got these accounts, though. And not just this guy, but a couple of other ones that have recently come under fire in the last couple of days on TikTok for perpetuating anti-blackness. And let's talk about anti-blackness because this particular account deleted the comments and the labor of black educators who came on to comment, you know, and it was like you deleted the like you deleted our whole conversation. You deleted mm -hmm. their comments. How do you do that? And, you know, it's interesting, too, because within the hierarchical system that we exist in and I've been on this kick about hierarchy a lot lately, too. But within this system, it's like people have come to me and they've been like, I always kind of wondered about his account. I felt like it was problematic, but he has so many followers. That was number one. Number two, and, and there are no negative comments. And now we know why, because as far as I can tell, he's probably just scrubbing them all, right? And so this gives this illusion. And, and with that, it's a powerful thing. When somebody sees you have a million followers, Mm -hmm. And you have all of the support and all that. So what you are doing must be good mm -hmm. and right. And the model 
And then there are all of these other people waiting in the wings who want to be this person as well and use their account and create revenue and, and look good on the surface and feel good about themselves and pat themselves on the back for being the good white people. Mm-hmm. And here we have this massive mess. I could keep going. And then yet I look and say, we'll have to do part two. Right. This is so good. <laughs> I have to look and say. We're just this, getting warmed this, up, my Aisha. Uh, we're just getting warmed <laughs> up, friends. So this this is a part one of this conversation around being the cause and the cure. But I do hope you're taking away something of value from our time together today. And I would hope that you're really thinking about your role in the movement and really your why. And, and let this conversation be a, a, a really a catalyst around it's a journey and it's a hero's journey and I need to profit, right? You have to do this without thinking of profits, but people and who are the people that hold the power and who need to be centered in the conversation. So Jen Kenny, thanks for being here with me. Thank you. Friends, until I talk to you all next time, keep living into your work. Peace.